The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Maybe you should panic, ladies and gentlemen, because the casuals are here, all of us, and we are taking control, for that is what we do. This is Casually Hardcore Live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. For the Thursday, the 24th of September, 2015, this is Casually Hardcore, and I think I am no wise. I am Daxa. And I am Grail. And you are suddenly way the hell louder than I am. Stand by. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't on the fly tech support. Great. I make you quiet. I make me loud. All is well. Speak unto me, Grail. No. Fine. I refuse. Fine. Done. Decline, huh? Show over. Ah. You understand. I know where you live. Right? Was he the only loud one? No, you're all loud together, but you're all fixed. I I fix you. We're loud together. I, I yes. fix you. I make you better. It's a joint effort at being loud. No, I'm not smoking anything. What are you talking about? It's a joint effort. Joint effort. Oh, not... Oh, different... Jo- oh, just saying. We're make an effort to... We don't live in Colorado, joint. is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, we're... we're Colorado, I guess, is the closest of the states. <laughs> yeah, but that's still a bit of a drive. And well, California, you, it's not exactly <laughs> difficult. <laughs> it's not exactly difficult here either. Well, here, but I mean, I mean, California is not exactly. If you need exactly, it for medicinal purposes, that's what I mean. California, it's kind of like here. What we're trying to say is, don't pain. do drugs, kids. Uh, <laughs> unless it's legal drugs, apparently. <laughs> then do them as much as you want. <laughs> I'll be in the car. Uh, so, yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. And we have our Daxa back. So glad you could join us this evening. Glad you are recovered from your, uh, what ails you? Everything ails me. Well, yeah, there is that. That's called, I think, life. It's called being old. <sighs> <laughs> My lawn, get off it. Uh, all right, so let's just get into it. So, all right. Our... Anticipated television shows have not yet returned to the air, but are, are ramping up. So be- they are. beginning of October, we'll see some of the uh, biggies returning. Did it, uh, Doctor Who premiere? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't currently have access to it. Yeah, we haven't watched it yet either. Um, I know. We should. Though, one of the news items from last week was that the BBC is next year going to roll yes. out their, well, the fine print has come out on that. Yeah. So, so a what? few a few little shows that already have streaming deals with other services oh. won't be available at least for the first couple of years because they have to wait for these other agreements to run out. So little shows like um, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, uh, Sherlock. Um, so the two we want to watch. Essentially, everything we want to watch is, is already spoken for. Huh. If you want to watch EastEnders, Sad. it's going to be the service for you. Yeah. And Top Gear is no longer on the BBC and will be premiering directly on Amazon. So Wow. 
yeah, so at some point in the future, I will be subscribing to this BBC offering once they bring all their shows home. Right. They're suffering from the Marvel syndrome. Uh, we accidentally signed away the rights to our own stuff, and now we can't get it back for a while. <laughs> so I'm glad they're putting the infrastructure in place, and I'm glad it will eventually, everything will return to the fold. But yeah, I haven't had the time to do the the gyrations to get access to Doctor Who that I normally have to go through, and I just have to wait for it to come through legit channels. Um, though the announcement was made that this will be Jenna Coleman's last series. Yes. So likely either the season finale or the Christmas special will see her departure. We'll see how that pans out. Mm. Um, but I am interested to see, because the, the first season with Capaldi was really hit and miss for me. I don't know about you guys. I loved him. I liked him. I liked him in every scene he was in. The overall stories that they put him in were, I, I wasn't quite as jazzed about all of them. So Enter the Dalek, loved it. Um, the first episode with the rehash of the androids rebuilding themselves from people yeah. things. Like, uh, why are we revisiting old ideas here well i mean again i was just into the character of the doctor like his so much that even that episode i was perfectly fine with because it leaves you at the end going well did Mm. the did he kill the guy or did he not did he not kill him and And you still don't know you definitely are left with the impression at least the way he was acting in that episode and the early episodes like he probably he killed, killed the guy. Yeah, he totally know he did. He um, totally threw him out. But the other the other fun bit um, of that whole series was Missy. Yeah. Um, oh right. The actress yes. they got to play the master this go around. Wow. Um, yeah, she was good. She was Great and awesome and freaky and weird and off-putting and, and evil, freaking evil. Yes, that is the mm-hmm. that is the word. She was really the amoral character that the master has always been put forth as, and really didn't care. Didn't had had zero empathy and was d- delightfully and in, in her own Mary Poppins style killing people left, right, and center. It's like, wow, okay. Um, Crazy as a Mad Hatter. It you know for me, I liked the character. The things I didn't like though was it took way too long to really yes. get her into the series. Like it was just too many hints. And then when she got there, you're like, oh, this character is great. And then she was gone. Yep. <laughs> and you're oh, like, oh, fear not. She's back next. Of series. course. But I mean, it's, it was still, that was the one downer. The other downer was I didn't really like the way they resolved kind of the big buildup. It that was if I have any issue with the season, I didn't like the fact that it all was her trying to win approval of the doctor, basically. Oh, see, I, I dug that that psychological angle a bit. I, I, the thing I didn't like was they didn't need to use the Cyberman trope. They yeah. could they could yes. have inserted generic other MacGuffin in there, and it would have been equally and probably more effective and more interesting. Right. Um, and, and I love me some Cybermen. I love the new armor designs. I love the 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 whole story arc of the Cybermen. But it's eh, it's getting Dalek-y. It's like okay, we've seen a lot of this. Can we do something new? Yeah. But the TV we have in the near term has a big why attached to it. Because this week we get the premiere of. Heroes Reborn. 
right. Yay. Uh, yay? Sure. Why not? I have such weird mixed feelings when I look at some of the previews, and they did a straight-to-internet preview episode. Yep. That was actually kind of engaging. Huh. I didn't see it. And it had no business being engaging because I still have in my head the, the horrifying way on it. And, and I understand there was a writer's strike and it suffered worst, you know, because it, it had this hugely complex story arc and then the writers went away. And they had this original idea that every season of Heroes was going to be a new volume of the comic with a new set of characters, or with some follow-through characters, but largely a new team every... And it was this revolutionary idea that just got jettisoned when the writers went away and everything went off the rails. So there was so much promise there, and then season two onward, it was just, what the hell's going on? And the preview episode they did on the internet really had a lot of the good fun elements of that first season. And the previews that they're putting forth have some of the favorite characters. You have Hormrin Glasses Guy, and you have Horn Time Traveling. Glasses Guy, is that the name? HRG was how he was referred to <laughs> in the, the chat rooms and the forums before they understood who he was. He was just horn-rimmed glasses guy. So HRG is his, is his shorthand when you're talking about him. Yes, we later learned that he's Claire's father, and, but early on he was just mysterious man in black. Um, so uh, Mohinder returns. Uh, what was the Japanese guy's name? Uh, Hero. Dur Hero. Hero. Yeah. Uh, Hero reprises his role. Um, evil mother of the uh, senator is back. Um, really? Yeah, she's she was in she was in one of the preview scenes. It may okay. just be a bit part to to add to the continuity, but they're really trying this not as a reboot, but it is a continuation. It is it is the world we left where they had you know it had been revealed that there were superpowered people to the world, and this is them this number of years later. And I just I can't get over the my initial reaction when I first saw Heroes Reborn. Really, mm. and. It's because it ended at such a weird. It ended so badly. It just, it just, it was fell just apart. Right? I think I stopped watching it. I did too. Fairly soon. I think we. I watched the whole thing. So I didn't watch the ending. The last season was the the carnival and the earthquake guy, right? Yeah, and I, and, and I watched one I watch one or two episodes yeah. into the carnival thing. I'm like, oh, what the hell are we talking? And just left. It was yeah. I mean, again, it was a silly premise, but the actual. Guy who was like the leader of the carnival mm -hmm. was a good actor. Yeah. He was a, he was a compelling character. I thought it was better than like season two to me. It was the worst season yeah. of them all. Ugh. Where well, that was the height of the, the writer strikes. So yeah, the time sense. travel thing with Hero yes. and all that crap and Adam why, and all that. It was why just are you putting oh, this. They just they fell into Superman mode because they had. I mean, Siler was supposed to have died at the end of season one, right? And they, but he was so good at being evil. Yes, so they decided to continue him into the rest of the series, and that was a huge mistake. Yep, because he had the ultimate power. Right, mm -hmm. he could absorb an unli apparently unlimited number of powers and just continue using them, as opposed yeah. to Peter. Was it Peter? Uh, Peter, who yeah. They, yeah. Who they retconned in season two to be or damaged him so that he could hold one power at a time. It's like that's a little more interesting. 
so you can carefully choose what powers to hold in what order to solve problems. So it's basically, yeah. it's basically a platformer. But uh, eventually he regained that of too. So, but Siler was just too damn powerful. And the other thing they had that was too damn powerful was Claire's blood. Which right. Literally yeah. bring you back from the dead. Yeah. So you have a yes. human being manufacturing an unlimited supply of get out of jail free juice. Right. Yep. How she ever was let out anywhere and not just constantly plugged into a machine well, recycling her blood. And I mean, just to make <laughs> sure they covered all their, you know, ability to retcon, they had a time traveler. Yeah. <laughs> so. It just, I mean, again, I think this is NBC going, oh, here's some people that are doing superhero shows correctly. We need to get in on this. Mm -hmm. We have this superhero show that started off good and then fell on its face. Let's just bring it back and jump on the bandwagon bandwagon. around Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Arrow, Flash, and the upcoming Supergirl, Gotham, you know, all of that. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're, we are, we are, if we have not already reached it, we are approaching peak superhero, I think. Seriously. We are a little saturated. Yeah. Like, right now, I have very little desire to watch Supergirl. Yeah. Which is, yeah, and that one, again, is another one I looked at, and it, it looked pretty sensibly put together. They have yeah. definitely and unquestioningly put it in the Man of Steel universe. Yep. To the point where Kal-El sends her her cape. Right. Says, you know, basically. But they, of course, haven't worked out the rights of having Cavill turn up for an actual episode or anything. But they've, they've, they've had the nod in there saying, hey, hi, I'm Jimmy Olsen, and your cousin says hi. Right. Yes. Um, that's interesting to me. Um, that's DC trying to take a, a card out of uh, Marvel's deck and maybe do it a little better. Because none of the other DC... Mm-hmm. TV shows are contiguous with the DC Cinematic Universe. So Supergirl is not going to show up in Legends of Tomorrow. Right. So she's this one holdout show that says, no, I am movie continuity. That's an interesting fragmentation that they're going for there. Though funny enough, the producers for Arrow and Flash are the ones making Supergirl. Right. No, it it, it is this one big team that seems to have found the formula. And... You're seeing things like the the now canceled Constantine show. I really like that show. The character and the actor from Constantine is showing up in Arrow for an episode yeah. as Constantine. I know. I yeah. saw that was really cool. They obviously had this plan that you know if if it had actually been renewed, they were, they were going to say, "Hey, one big happy universe, guys." Um, apparently, all indications are from the different tweets and interviews that it's the the actors think it's one of their strongest episodes ever. Uh, I think uh, my Very my cool. guess would be it's going to be super strong, and you may see Constantine reborn on the CW. Yep. <laughs> we shall see. That's that's one of the things that that Grail and I were talking about last week was in this era of second chances for television shows, a lot of creative companies are rewriting their deals with the networks with an escape hatch that says. If you guys cancel us, you do not own this property. We own it. We developed it. We bring it to you. We let you put it on your network. But if you cut us off, we can sell it elsewhere. So this is why we're seeing things transitioning to Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. Um, so 
upcoming in the next, mm, I think it's three weeks or so, Amazon has announced their fall pilot season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh crap, I just closed the damn window. I'm, I'm doing well. well. I can tell you what the CW has. What does CW have? CW has October 6th is The Flash and iZombie. And then October 7th is Arrow and Supernatural. And October 8th is Vampire Diaries and the Originals. And October 9th is Rain and America's Top Model. And the 19th is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Virgin. Not the version. Ber- Virgin. 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 Um, <laughs> so Amazon is doing their pilot series again, which is yeah. we put these pilots out there and we see which ones garner the greatest interest. So we're also seeing the results for from last year's. So we're going to get our first in uh, middle of November, I want to say, our first full season of The Man in the High Castle, um, which I am greatly looking forward to because that pilot looks freaking awesome. Um, and so there, we will see new series from last year's pilots, and then we also have a crop of new pilots this year. We have Edge, um, the most violent Western in print. Okay. Um, and Good Girls Revolt, which is described as follows a group of young female researchers at News of the Week who simply ask to be treated fairly. Okay, so a glass ceiling okay. drama. Got it. Uh, Heiston, uh, let's see. His parents force him to get psychiatric help. Okay. Oh, okay. 19 year old. With 98, the, the central character is a 19-year-old with a wide circle of celebrity friends that only he can see. So the, this one looks really interesting to me because they're getting actual celebrities to appear, to appear as his imaginary friends. Ah. So the first episode feature, or the pilot episode features Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers oh, nice. and Shaquille uh-huh. O'Neal. And who? Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. <laughs> as his Shaq imaginary Fu. friends for that episode. And that's which one? Uh, that one is Heiston. Heiston. H-I-G-S-T-O-N. Huh. Um, one Mississippi uh, is a dark comedy loosely based on Tig Notaro's life. Uh, follows mm-hmm. Tig as she deals with a complex reentry into her childhood hometown of, of Bay St. Lucille, Mississippi. To deal with the unexpected death of her mother... Interminable life of the party, Caroline. Reeling from her own recently declining health, Tig struggles to find her footing in the line. Okay, this is definitely a life sucks kind of a drama. Uh, Uh, I don't know if it's a drama. Well, Tig Tigaro is a drama. Dramedy. Dramedy, I should say. Think think MASH. She's, yeah, I like watch. On Netflix, funny enough, they have a uh, semi documentary on her. It's called Tig. Yeah, just call it, yeah. And that was really good. Mm-hmm. And she's pretty damn funny, especially to make having cancer and her mom dying into a stand-up act yes. was pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> and, and very well done. Um, next one that they are rolling out is called Patriot, uh, which has Locke from uh, Lost as the, one of the lead characters. I never uh, watched Lost. Yeah, huh. Me neither, but I, I, I like the actor who played Locke. He uh, makes an impression. Uh, the political thr- thriller follows the complicated life of intelligence officer John Tavner, Australian newcomer Michael Dorman. His latest assignment is to prevent Iran from going nuclear. Okay, whatever. 
Z, which is interesting. It's a biographical series focusing on Zelda Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. Hmm. I don't know enough about the life of F. Scott Fitzgerald to know what might be interesting about this. Um, yeah. So oh. it's, uh, it's maybe just not in my wheelhouse. Um, well, he, I mean, he wrote a novel and became a complete rec- recluse. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. So, <laughs> so how do, how yeah. does one spouse deal with this? Yeah. Um, but uh, there's there's some cherries in here that really look interesting to me. But I, I, I still at my core, I'm just happy that this is happening at all because this is so different to the old studio system, which still still endures where. Dozens and dozens of pilots are made every year that you and I never see. Sure. That don't get greenlit, that are you know, pitched to various studios and nobody buys, and it just, they just go away. This is Amazon trying to turn that system on its head, saying, we're going to commission all these, and we're going to let you, the crowd, decide what we make. Yeah. And just how much more sense does that make? Because we vote with our clicks, in this case. The instant feedback is how many people watched... You know, one Mississippi when we put it out there. Sure. Five times more people flocked to watch the one Mississippi pilot than than flocked to watch Z. Okay, we're going to make one Mississippi. Instead of a bunch of guys in stuffed suits in L.A. saying, oh, we don't think that the the, the 19 to 34 demographic is interested in this one because me as a 64-year-old guy knows all about the 19 to 34 demographic. Yeah, see? Suddenly I'm, I don't know. Edward G. Robinson? I don't know. Um, so I like that more of this involvement of letting, letting us in the viewing audience, you know, let them know, hey, make more like this, please, and vote with our, vote with our eyes. Yeah. Bring me more like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch all those like I did last year and hope for Wow, it. you crazy guy, you. What? It's six whole pilots. Oh, boy. Six whole hours out of my life. Yeah. I value my life a little more than that. <laughs> I've been... My six hours are very valuable. See, my, my <laughs> viewing habits have changed so much by pulling the by cutting the cord. Um, I find myself exploring more than I ever would have before. So the, the depth of things like HBO Go um, are really useful to me for just tunneling around looking for things and deliberately kind of going for stuff that is not necessarily exactly what I always watch. And I've been wonderfully surprised on enough occasions to, to want to seek that out again. So my, my filter has become a little less selective. I'm more likely to, to try something like Z, where on the surface, like, oh, great, Zelda Fitzgerald. Who the hell is Zelda Fitzgerald? Why do I care who, who she was? Mm-hmm. And instead, I'm, I'm more primed at this point in my life than ever before just to give it a shot. To let it play and give me, you know, give them the the first fifteen minutes to either hook me or not. Where previously I would have just kind of not even bothered to look at it if it, if it wasn't, you know, space opera with with laser, lasers blazing or sword and sorcery, I wouldn't be interested at all. I'm a lot more likely to give something a shot because someone like a studio like Amazon has offered it up as, hey, we think this is good. So I'm a lot more likely to click on it and give it a shot than than in previous years. 
Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I just am not more likely to watch everything someone says. Let's give this a shot. Yeah, and it's it, uh, this assumes I find the time to do this, but my right. intention is to give them all a shot. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, another interesting story from the subreddit we're looking at here: the data mining prowess of our friends at Netflix. Um, is becoming kind of legendary in the entertainment industry. Um, so this article from The Verge has the clickbaity title, uh, Netflix knows the exact episode of a TV show that gets you hooked. <laughs> but it is a very interesting peek behind the curtain at the kind of data mining and data um, collating that Netflix is doing to decide what's popular and what's not. And they, oh, yeah. can, they can demonstrate very clearly at what point past which people are considered you know, viewers of a series. And they've got interesting data here of how quickly different shows get their hooks into you, speaking generally you know, the sample size of the entire viewership of Netflix. Um, at what point you're likely to continue. If you make it past a certain episode, the likelihood that you'll finish binge-watching or just finish watching the season spikes. So they have, as, as examples here, a show like Breaking Bad, it only takes to episode two right, to hook most people in and have them continue all the way to the very end. Compared to something like How I Met Your Mother, you have to slog your way through to episode eight before it's likely that you'll become a lifetime viewer of that particular show. Um, so be, I bet you the people in Hollywood are looking closely at these scripts and saying, okay, what is it about the writing and the performance in Breaking Bad that made it this, pardon the uh, comparison, instantly addictive product? Ha-ha. Uh -huh. show about an instantly addictive Ha, huh, see what I did there. Uh-huh. Um, what makes that a very quick hook versus something that we have to try a lot harder to sell to you? It eventually became a successful series in the form of How I Met Your Mother, but we didn't get right into you. So what did they do differently over here? Can we replicate that? Um, but it's, it, this is one of those data is beautiful kind of moments of... You know what, though? I guess... I mean, data is beautiful to have things like that, but if you really think about it and you go back and see the shows or just think about the shows that you've liked, I can guarantee you that a lot of the same episodes that you like are an episode that someone goes, I don't know the names of a lot of episodes, but I can tell you the name of my favorite Buffy episode or the name of my favorite Xena episode or whatever. So, so while, I think that's talking, always been an, a case. Now that you can actually, now that Netflix is actually using the data, is yeah. the difference. Well, I'm hoping they're using it to produce more good stuff. Well, but hope. I mean, again, this isn't saying this is the favorite episode. This is saying the one. This, this is, is the this one. Is what you. Well, no, this is really what this is saying. If I'm reading this correctly, is this is when the bleeding stopped? <laughs> is basically what the entire survey says. Is this so is true. for Arrow, it started with say a hundred viewers, and every episode after that, it lost yep. over thirty percent of its viewership until, until it got to episode eight, and then whatever viewers they were left with, it only dro it dropped less than thirty at that point, right. and and continued on. 
basically that path of being below 30 from that point on. Um, That's a good analogy. Stop. When does the bleeding stop? So really, Mm. that's what this says. So it doesn't really indicate who has a favorite episode or what really got people hooked. It's basically when people kind of finally evened out and said, the ones that we had left... We're sticking with it. <laughs> well, I would say that it, it, this does indicate a quality of writing and, a, and a, an ability to get people hooked on the show. Because, I agree. Because, you know, with Breaking Bad, it's stabilized at episode two. Right. So something about the content of episodes one and two made a whole lot of people say, oh, I need to see how this ends. I'm in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I agree. And I mean, you know, I, you know, obviously, huge fan of Arrow, uh, like Daxa, but... Without a doubt, that first eight <laughs> episodes, there's some uneven episodes. Oh, yes. my God, I totally... And, and that makes yes. me really believe this article because my experience with the show was that was I had to force myself to slog through those episodes because I had you guys at the other end of it saying, it's worth it, come join yeah. us, it's worth it, you can do it. Um, it's one of the things that I like is when people publish, you know, here are the important episodes you need to watch in season one to understand season two, right? For a show that you know hits its stride in season two, yeah, so exactly. Because at first, I couldn't stand that blonde geeky girl. Ugh. Yeah, she was so not. She was not well. Felicity, she Felicity well was like she was terrible, horrible. Yeah, she was not. A and good then they character. started giving her some good lines. Yeah, she became a lot more funny. But yeah, at first you're just like, hi, yeah. I'm the incredibly attractive you know, CIO. Uh huh. That does a lot of tech work, <laughs> which is like, that's a number one, not what a CIO does. <laughs> well, also, I had the, the double whammy of having an image in my head of the Felicity Smoke right. from the comics, who was a totally different character, hard hitting uh, investigative journalist type, and not at all this apparently flaky in there because she has great legs kind of a character of and it, it took them a, a, a while to figure her out now I like her character very much right absolutely so, I love yeah, her character yeah she's a, a, a super strong character but I mean yeah looking at this list a lot of these I kind of agree I mean to me I, I'm surprised it took to episode 5 for like Daredevil to, to kind of flatten out exactly um, we're kind of the target audience for that sure. one sure yeah. but at the same I mean I, I've even shown it to non-target audience audience people and they're like oh my god this is really good uh, but I mean like BoJack Horseman which I'm a huge fan of that show definitely you have to slog through those first two episodes I'm See, sure the bleeding was massive and, and, and I didn't get past episode one they lost me yeah so, yeah. This so that one was, where, you, where you're on the other end beckoning to me saying no it's worth uh, it the second season of that was so good okay <laughs> It was amazing. Just, oh yeah. It's like Archer, but like darker. <laughs> but okay, really, see, that, see that description that gets oh, you, you have my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can see why the ones episode two that were on episode yeah. two, like for example, Sons of Anarchy, I loved mm-hmm. Sons of Anarchy when I first started watching. Of course, then it just got way too real for me and I had to stop. But. Walking Dead, too. The Walking oh, Dead yeah. hooked me, like, immediately. And, and that's one you could look at and say, they, like, between episode one and two, it was... Craziness. Just a continuity, though. Like, it was it, it was what it was in episode one, and it still was that in episode two. And you could see if you got past that first episode, you were probably in for... Uh, 
for the, in for the long haul at that point because there just was no variability. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt also really, really well done series. If you like 30 Rock at all, it was it's 30 Rock except the See, new that, version that of it. It's so weird. I have had so many people pitch 30 Rock at me and I, I was never able to get into it. No, oh, okay. It just may not, just might not be my sense of humor. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, on paper, it looks perfect. Yeah, it should be really good. Yeah, and I just I, maybe just that the time in my life it wasn't I don't know, but I'll, I may go back and revisit that one because so many people are like, well, you haven't watched Thirty Rock? Are you out of your mind? Well, and yeah, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is a very kind of microcosm of it's it's that style of humor, but total different concept to it. Yeah. But uh, the girl that was you know, brought into a tunnel uh, in rural Indiana because she was convinced by a preacher that the world was en- had ended and lived in a tunnel then for this little, like, you know, sewer system for, I forget what it is, like 15, 20 years, and then they, like, find her, and she comes out and then goes to New York and, like, is still stuck in the mindset of somebody who went into this tunnel system in, like, 1985. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. It's really strange. <laughs> but it was really, it's pretty damn funny overall. Alrighty then. Grail does tend to like a lot of crazy, weird stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, if you've got a thing, run with it. Um, so, news out today mm-hmm. um, director, writer Ridley Scott yeah. of Alien fame has indicated. But not of Prometheus fame? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ridley Scott of Gladiator fame. Uh, he's made movies. Yes, he's made many movies, some of them very successful. Yeah. Um, has revealed the title for what had previously been referred to as Prometheus 2. Hmm. Will not actually be called Prometheus 2. It will actually be called dun, 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 Alien Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. Now, my mind goes back to when <laughs> Prometheus was in production. And they had all kinds of press junkets and press releases saying, this is not the Alien prequel. This Mm -hmm. is not the Alien prequel. Benedict Cumberbatch is not playing Khan. Do I see a trend here? (laughs) So they're owning it this time. They're saying, oh, yeah, by the way, this is all about the Alien universe. Always was. Neener, neener, neener. Um... I'm not sure what Paradise Loss is supposed to refer to, because uh, the xenomorphs haven't been very utopian in any other uh, iterations we've witnessed them in. Um, and where we left our heroes at the end of Prometheus was not the greatest of positions, having a talking android head and a deeply wounded psychologically and physically woman uh, stealing an alien craft and flying off to find the alien homeworld. That doesn't seem very like paradise to me, but okay, we'll see where they take it. Maybe it's paradise for the aliens, is I'm, what they're saying. Because I'm see, then they get to come and munch on everybody. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, we'll see. Um, I, I, lo- I loved the look of Prometheus. Yes, I but lo- the story was dumb. The, the cast was really fantastic. The cast was amazing. Uh <laughs> Most of them. Yeah. Um, I think most of them are great actors. Yes. Now, they didn't act well no. in that movie. They weren't no. given a lot. It was but the, they are great the actors. The epitome of, on paper, it looked, it looked great. great. Yes. <laughs> and there were, yeah. And there were set pieces in it that were great. 
but you don't have the xenobiologist go play with the alien snake. No, I mean, and that, I guess, you know, you, you look at it and it's like there is no reason that a movie that has uh, Charlize Theron, uh, Michael, Mike, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, and Ildris, Ildris Elba. Elba. Oh my that, gosh. That alone, that should be a guaranteed money-making, amazing movie. Like, you don't even need anything else. Right. That should have done it. And yet, they figured out a way to not do it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the pilot and crew of the Prometheus were such callbacks to the pilot and crew of the Nostromo. Sure. And it was, just, it, and it, and it was awesome ship design, and just, there were so many notes that were spot on that were just spoiled by these really stupid and what the hell just happened moments of what the hell is the alien oil and, and what does it do to people and what, I mean, why even have that lying around? Why Ooh, is there a huge, look, why? I'm a scientist. I'm going to touch that. Yeah. What? Without gloves. Yeah. And, or and, protective gear. Oh, I mean, I mean, Android boy did, and he oh, put it in a champagne. How lovely. Who programmed you exactly? No, we're talking about the guy who decided to go play with the snake oh, things yeah. and yes, the oil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, what's this little worm guy? He looks so cute. Oh, my God, it's eating me. Yeah. Like, really, dude? It surprises you. you. I, I, I just like. How like, are you a scientist? Like, literally, I, I wanted more of them to just come eat him. That's how much I hated that character <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> like, all I could hope for was that he died even more painfully. <laughs> so. Scott has said the film will be more a prequel to the original Alien film from 1979 and examining the why and how the Beast was invented. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I thought that... Which is, you know... It seemed really freaking accidental in Prometheus 1. So we're looking at an article on Deadspin uh, that came out on September 24th okay. that basically said, here's the title. Now, we also have a separate uh, article on the 23rd on io9 that basically says Prometheus 2 will not connect to Alien. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Trust your sources, huh? <laughs> all I know is this, whether or not it's going to connect, is about as confused as the plot of Prometheus. Well, at least this, I mean, we have the writer and director in an interview saying, here is what it's going to be. So I'll, I'll trust the, the Deadline.com one over the io9 one yeah. because this one has freaking Ridley Scott quoted Or Deadline, it. yeah. I'm sorry, not that spin. But uh, still, it's... Um, <sighs> and maybe you, the one thing that the Prometheus film did clearly show was the original creation of the first Xenomorph. It just seemed to happen in a very haphazard and uncontrolled fashion. Weird, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess most gr- big well, things come out of accidents. So I don't know. But yet he's saying that it's the Prometheus 2 is a prequel to 1979's Alien so and why and how the beast was invented. Right. So they're seeming to indicate there that the alien was actually invented. Not not We didn't see that in Prometheus. That right. was just a, oh, wow, some, this somehow, you know. Something happened. bad happened. Well, my, yeah. my interpretation of it is is the the mystery oil in the canisters right. was designed to do what it did, which was to take on some of the aspects of the host organism and then make a xenomorph based on what it was what it infected, basically. Which was something that they have toyed with before. If you look at 
Alien 3. The, <laughs> Do I have to? I, I know, I'm right? sorry. You have to because it's considered canon. Right. Um, but the alien design in that one, since the facehugger infected a dog, right. it was dog-like right. in its design. And I thought it was a really cool the quadruped design they used. Yeah, of course. It, it, the, the, it expanded the, the race of the aliens, basically, right. to be you, a lot you, of different versions. Take that idea backwards. Say, okay, so the reason the first xenomorph there that we see looks the way it does is it came a little bit from human, a little bit from engineer, who are both humanoid. So you get a humanoid-looking um, xenomorph. Oh, I get that. I'm just saying I don't think what we saw, based on this description, it doesn't sound like this is the first time they've managed to make that happen. Well, they had rooms. I mean, they had the warehouses full of this. Well, they had the warehouses full of the canisters, but they never really explain... You know what, what the, the hell this stuff is. What the hell was going why do you on? Have it? Like, and why are you coming to Earth to destroy us? How are we? It's, it's so many freaking un, unsolved plot lines there. It was very unsatisfying. Right. But then at the same time, you know, the dude came to Earth and drank some oil and evaporated into a waterfall, and, and that what, apparently what, was good. Set the the circle of life going on our planet. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, my brain yeah. hurts. My it brain was hurts. very weird. Yeah. I I didn't understand that at all. I didn't understand the blue dude evaporating. I just I maybe it was maybe the oil's just like cake like a slice of cake is good like the entire cake too much cake too not much so cake. cake yeah more cake more, more cake <laughs> yeah what cheese poofs really should have made the oil like pie there's <laughs> always room for pie <laughs> <laughs> I am thankful for ice cream and pie instead of cake because right. cake is bad yeah cake is cake's a lie cake is a lie and the, right. and, and the, the, the pie is a factual inaccuracy but anyway <laughs> Or to go back to our son's early reading, they're just a bunch of cake sniffers. Oh, that's <laughs> what you have to explain that. Oh, uh, that's uh, from oh. the series of unfortunate events. Vince. One of the main antagonists in it, this little girl, she kept calling the the main characters cake sniffers. Cake sniffers. Anybody who was not a uh, cool person was a cake sniffer. Just <laughs> <laughs> way really really weird. Which even our son at the time, when he was like you know five, was just like, why is it bad to be a cake, cake sniffer? <laughs> like, I like cake. Yeah. It smells good. Yeah, like I have no. Idea. <sighs> yeah. In the same era where the Goosebumps books are being made into a major motion picture starring Jack Black. So what right. the hell? <laughs> Just work here. Uh, so hey, kids books. They make lots of movies on kids books. Yep. Oh yeah. So this holiday season is shaping up to be the season, or the industry would hope. That this is the season of VR. Mm, uh, they can try. It's, and the hardware looks like it's going to be ready. Uh, or ready very shortly after yeah. the holidays. So we have Oculus VR or Oculus Rift. We have PlayStation VR, formerly Pro, uh, Project Morpheus. And then sometime in, into 2016, uh, no firm date on... Um, hyper. Uh, what's the Windows one? God, I'm drawing a uh, Augmented. No, the um. God, why am I losing my mind? Uh, You've always lost your thank mind. Thank you very much for someone to do a quick search. Mm-hmm. We are. 
I think the thing about VR is probably the same thing about as three as the three D televisions. You can have three D and it's cute and it's gimmicky, but very very few people know how to do it well. Well, and it's the same thing with the VR. It's going to be all about the content. Yes, because I have I have seen a lot of games and most of them make me sick. Mm -hmm. There's only been one game that I thought was I was like, wow, okay, this could be something. Well. The story I'm looking at here is Minecraft coming to Oculus Rift. And that might be okay. Well, the, the thing that most interests me about this is, yeah, it, it's a shoe-in because it's, it's a, you know open-world design. And its graphics are deliberately not super-duper high-res. Mm-hmm. So that means they can have really, really great performance and not really tax the processing power of the unit. So you can have really fast responsiveness as you move around in the virtual space because you're not trying to render it at 1080p. Right. Um, but the more interesting thing that, that jumps out of this is this is a Microsoft-owned property. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they gave Notch a big old house full of money mm-hmm. for Minecraft. And they have their own VR product in development in the form of HoloLens. And yet they're ready to launch Minecraft for Oculus Rift in the spring of 2016, which means they have been co-developing it for both HoloLens and what a previous version of Microsoft would have seen as an evil competitor. And instead, they're continuing this trend that's, in my mind, very un-Microsoft of being platform agnostic. We will well, give you content, and we don't care what you view it on. I think it used to be old against Microsoft. Right. But this new shiny Microsoft seems to be pretty cool about, hey, we want our stuff out there. And, yeah, we'll have our own thing, and we hope that our thing is better than everybody else's thing. But if you can use this product, one of our products, on both things, then yay. I love this attitude. I think yeah. all these companies should have this attitude. Of- Absolutely. Absolutely. Because one of the things that really crippled some of Microsoft's offering in the past was their insistence that you stay within their ecosystem. And while this has somehow magically worked really well for Apple, nobody else has really been able to replicate that. And Microsoft is trying the opposite tact now, tack of, hey, we'll make the stuff. You want to put it on an iPad? Great. You want to put it on a Surface? Also great. You want to run it on your desktop? Fine. It's going to be the same on all the platforms. And this seems to be a continuation of Satya Nadella, the new CEO, saying, hey, we're going to be everywhere you want to be and... Help you do everything you want to do. Yeah, but, and, but also over into the entertainment end of things, which was also a very much a walled garden because they had the Xbox. And it's a matter of, hey, we want Xbox exclusives. And for a long time, they're like, hey, we're going to do Kinect, and, and, and you're going to have to buy a Kinect with all the Xbox Ones. It's, a, it's an integral part of the system. And then there was a changing of the guard, and suddenly, oh, no, we're taking the, the Kinect away because nobody cares about the Kinect, and we're just going to give you the console. And we're going to develop all kinds of fun stuff to run on the console and not force you to be part of our ecosystem. So you're seeing fewer and fewer exclusives and more inclusives of, hey, we're going to make Minecraft. You want to play it on your mobile device? Great. You want to do it on your Oculus VR? Great. You want to do it on your eventual HoloLens? Awesome. I'm not so sure it's necessarily going to turn up on PlayStation VR, 
Um, but it's it's more open than it has ever been before. Well, and I think Minecraft is a really good choice because the one game that I did think that the Oculus was perfect for, it was an open world game, and it was also very puzzle-based, more interactive than it was things jumping out at you and you having to kill things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So in Minecraft, because that is a lot of... It's really very puzzle-based. It's very interactive. Yes, okay, you've got creepers that'll jump out at you every so often, but mostly it's you building stuff and you interacting with the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what is the coolest part of an Oculus Rift, if they do it correctly, where you physically have to turn around in order to turn around in the game behind you. That is really cool. Yeah. And that was a very interesting. It looks like they're taking two very different approaches because with the Oculus Rift, you are standing in the game world and your point of view is the character's point of view. With the HoloLens demonstration they've done, it's been top down. So very much you're looking down at the world and manipulating the world in God mode more mm -hmm. like um, when you're playing in a, in a 2D monitor. So they may be just trying to offer both, both modes of play to, to see which one interests you more. Um, I like the fact that they're trying different things and seeing what sticks. And if they both stick, great. We get more cool stuff. Absolutely. Bring I, I, I personally like, okay, great. Minecraft's on the Oculus. It's not going to get me to fork over 1500 or whatever oh, the no. bonus tag is. No, 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 no. So no, it's going to have to be something much, much better it's than that cute, for sure. But like, if I really want to see Minecraft first person, I'll look at my monitor really close. <laughs> And then move it around with me yeah. as I turn my mouse. <laughs> I'll carry my surface around with me. <laughs> yeah, give me a break. Like, to me, it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, obviously Microsoft is interested in making sure their IP uh, that they own now gets out there as much as possible and, and generates a lot of uh, both revenue and uh, player base because then they can build off that for other products. But in terms of it being some sort of killer app on that, like, man, whatever. It's it was not, it was much more interesting with their HoloLens technology. Yeah. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a killer app, but I think it's it's a place to start where eventually things like Oculus Rift won't be fifteen hundred dollars. It's sure. like the you know the the cabinet video games. Well, there's no way I'm gonna ever have a video game. I mean, that's a huge freaking cabinet. It's like four thousand dollars for a cabinet, but now we all have video games. So I think that eventually this is a good place for it to start. Eventually, yeah. you can get an Oculus Rift or something similar that's only going to be, you know, 40, 50 bucks, the price of a game, and then you've got amazing games to play with it. If the Oculus Rift could get to the point Survives. where they've made it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, hey, their initial survival thing. of the fittest. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Two, two VR he headsets enter, one VR headset leaves. Exactly. Yeah. Or... Just nobody gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is that too, kind of like 3D TV. That's an also yeah. an option, yes. There is <laughs> always an option. Uh, speaking of failing, EA. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad segue. Our favorite fa failure. Oh, they do. There's the love to hate. However, they are in possession of one of our favorite properties in the form of Star Wars. Mm. Yeah. So they're going to do an open beta for the new Star Wars Battlefront game. And if you recall, back when the teaser trailer and initial specifications were announced for the new Battlefront game, there was nerd wailing and gnashing of teeth to an epic scale, and the nitpicking was 
epic. It's like, oh, yeah, they have the AT-ATs there, but they're on rails. You can't actually drive them. And it's not really an open world because you have to stay within these confines and there are objectives you have to. It's like, that sounds like a video game to me, guys. Um, so because, well, because mean, it was EA, look, I think they were predisposed to be critical of it. Let's be fair here, though. Every point they were bringing up of things that it doesn't do, they did in Battlefront 2. Yes. <laughs> you know, seven yeah. to eight or whatever it's been, ten, 10 plus years ago, they had the technology to give you free-forming flight. They had the and technology. suddenly it's gone. Yeah, so that was the wailing and gnashing of the teeth. Not that it's EA. It's that EA is putting out a product that they're like, oh, it's the return of Battlefront, which has a very hardcore fan base. And it looks amazing, but as soon as they started digging into it, they went, oh, There's some significant things missing here. Yeah, so now, I look now, at it more from their... I see their point of view. No, and I, and I am deliberately being devil's advocate in this case. Right. Um, now, EA in the intervening time has backpedaled slightly on a few points, but generally it's been, no, it is what it is. Yep. Um, because their focus has been more on this being a large-scale multiplayer experience. So... <laughs> uh, with eight on eight maximum. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they claim... <laughs> that the Battle of Hoth will be a 40-person extravaganza. We'll see if they yeah. deliver on that. That is not massive to me. Uh, for, massive is for, massive. For console, is... that's pretty massive. Yeah, if they can I do guess. that on a console, it's impressive. Okay, on talking, a console, we're, yes. We're talking about shooting, uh, you know, a real-time shooter here. If they can optimize the networking code and have it actually be playable with 40 people in yeah. the zone... I may tip my hat to them and say, okay, good on you. You made, you know, consoles do something that I thought would not be necessarily possible. But the capture the flag style games are right. very much limited to eight V eight. Right. Which is, is kind of the zone we're in with multiplayer console based games. Sure. Um this one just happens to be set in the Star Wars universe. Now the the trailers they've put forth very fan servicey in kind of a warm and fuzzy way. So they're always showing the you kind of play as a grunt in a particular scenario, and if you do well enough, you summon forth the hero from the other side. So if you're, you're playing the rebel side and you do really well, Darth Vader will show up to try and kick your ass because you're doing too well. Nice. Um, and if you do very well, you can, you can unlock and play as Luke Skywalker and then face off with Darth Vader. Um, so there, there are game mechanics in there that are fan servicey and fun and, and put favorite characters front and center in the games if you put the time in to play them well. If you just want to be a casual player, you can just play as, you know, Snowtrooper number seven on the left and still have a good time, you know, shooting rebels out of the trenches in Hoth. Um, mm -hmm. Or shooting at rebels. Yeah. The communication, again, trailers are one thing and the actual gameplay are another. But looking at some of the, the fighter combat... Um, with the real-time voice comms, you know, of course it's sculpted for the trailer, but it looks tons of fun. Um, both from and they, they took great pains in a lot of trailers to show this the same battle from the two different 
angles. So they'll have the rebels saying, we need to escort these you know, freighters off of Hoth uh, under the cover of the ion cannon, and then cut over to the TIE fighter pilot saying, we need to stop these rebels from escaping. Uh, follow me, and we're going to shoot those freighters down. Um, right. And which is always, you know, it has that X-Men v. TIE fighter vibe that we all remember and love. Why aren't they just giving us a new X-Men v. TIE fighter game? I don't know. Did but, you just call that X-Men versus TIE fighter? Yes. Maybe. It's late. <laughs> I was like, wait. Not only once, when but twice, switch, I'm pretty sure. When did we switch games? Oh, my God. I'm really not paying attention. You know, I, I, honestly, I've drunk like a quarter of a beer. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. You lightweight. Apparently. Um, X-Wing <laughs> v. TIE Fighter. Um, do or do not, Wolverine. There is no there is try. No try. <laughs> uh, so I will uh, cut uh, you, you little uh, green Muppet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, a bub. Levitate this. Anyway, so one of the, uh, I think, uh, kind of canaries in the coal mine for me on this was mm-hmm. we were at PAX this year. Uh-huh. You have and there was a gigantic exhibition floor, and we're Huge. walking along, rocking along, and the Sony gigantic stand that Sony had there for all the PlayStation games, they had a bunch of stuff shown, and on Two PlayStations kind of tucked away is where Battlefield was being displayed with no signage or anything uh, other than like a little uh, sign just said Star Wars Battlefront. Warning, warning, Sorry. warning. And it was like. You just can't get the name of this game straight to save your lives. I know. Whatever. <laughs> Battlefront. <laughs> X Men, you know. X Men. It's X Men Battlefront. Okay. Uh, anyways, so that to me was a little worrisome. Now, granted, there were some people playing it, so I, I watched over somebody's shoulder, and the graphics looked good, but there was nothing, at least in the demo or, or whatever portion that the person was playing, that made me go, oh my God, this is so amazing. It was like, okay, it's, it's a very standard first person shooter. Well, we'll have a chance to sample it for ourselves. Um, October 8th to 12th, they plan to host an open beta. And they'll have limited access to three gameplay modes, the 40-person war on Hoth, and a couple different uh, 8v8 Capture the Flag-style games called Drop Zone. So this will be a very likely a uh, server load test and just a general network code optimizing test. So everybody get in there and hammer the hell out of their servers so they give them a realistic idea of how bad things will be when they release the game in November. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it's all across every platform. Yep. So Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. Bring it on. Now, did they indicate, will you be isolated to your platform so PC plays with PC? I um, believe so. I think the only ones right now that are pushing cross-platform play like that is Microsoft. And I don't know if they're intending it for this game or not. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day where the servers... I mean, I mean, Sony tried that years ago with Final Fantasy on the PlayStation 2, where you could have right. the... Was it Final Fantasy 11 back then? Where you were actually you were playing on the same massively multiplayer servers as the PC clients. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of that since then. Right. Um, and you know, the differences in the input methodology and, and the clear superiority of keyboard and mouse for shooting type games. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. that difficult to combine them because the keyboard and mouse people will annihilate the controller people every time. Yeah. But I mean, there's enough games out now that on the PC, people are hooking up uh, basically an Xbox controller to the PC to play right. them, that those are the ones that seem like are 
are perfect targets to to at least attempt it. Yeah. So, in the land of video games as a sport, our friends at TBS Turner Broadcasting are taking their stab at esports, and they're creating what they refer to as a league, but it's really a couple of tournaments. Um, are they legends in that league? <laughs> no, this is uh, <laughs> Counter Strike Global Offensive. Oh, okay. Uh, so they're uh, hopped up kids on uh, <laughs> right. whatever performance drugs. Speaking of Twitch gamers with my yeah. keyboards, um, TBS is uh, in 2016 going to do uh, 10 consecutive weeks, two times a year. So we'll have uh, an interesting combo meal of what you can refer to as you know, traditional esports delivery via computer platform with um, video on demand and live streams of games with each Friday a simulcast to television big game of the week. Mm. So there'll be Counter-Strike games in, in the round robin during the week that you can watch via traditional live stream or so I'm assuming it'll be on something like Twitch or TBS's own platform if they create one. And then the Friday big game will be streamed live on the internet as well as offered as a show on traditional television. Hmm. Um, so we have two, two different championship rounds per year, um, 20 weeks total. And I'm curious to see how this pans out because you look at the viewership of esports on TV thus far hasn't been all that impressive because the demographic they're going for doesn't watch TV. Yeah, absolutely. They don't turn on the TV. Right. So it may be that the... Main and I, and I like the fact that they're doing, oh yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's going to be fresh content on the web for you to watch the way you're used to watching it. And then we'll also give you the big Friday game on the web. But if you also want to you know, fire it up on your TV in the living room, you can do that too. And have that be maybe a gateway drug for non-gamers to get interested in gaming. And But the TV piece of this doesn't appear to be the center of it, which I think is the right approach. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because we don't watch TV for this kind of thing. We like to view it either on video on demand or live stream it in a window while we're probably playing the same game we're watching. So I think this is the right approach, and this may be may get better results for TBS than ESPN has gotten. Um from their their attempts, I mean things like Heroes of the Dorm, and some of the the Dota stuff they've done have have been interesting to us as gamers, but haven't really been wildly successful numbers wise. It, I mean, the, the stuff on ESPN did 
pretty good. The biggest problem ESPN ran into was their own commentators weren't interested in it. Yeah. Were basically bashing their own programming. Right. <laughs> they just they didn't get the right commentators. Right. The problem. They well, didn't they, get esports commentators. They got regular commentators. Yeah. No, I just mean, but even like like people like on like Sports Center and stuff yeah. were talking like probably given a story to say you know talk about this thing that's going to be on our network, and then they were like, I don't get it. Like how why this isn't sports. Right. And the other big part of this announcement is who TBS is partnering with. So uh, IMG is used to be a freestanding company. They were consumed by uh, God, WME, which I forget what that stands for. Um, drawing a blank. But the, the press release here... IMG has deep expertise in the esports world. The company's esports business operates as a full-service team management, marketing, and representation firm with specialties in brand consulting, digital and live entertainment management, marketing, and licensing. These are people who represent esports gamers and esports commentators. So if you have... Uh, and Artosis, it's likely that they have contracted with this company to be their representation and find them tournaments and find them venues to make money at. Um, and it is a company that grew up specifically to service the needs of esports. Mm-hmm. So TBS is saying, hey, we don't actually know jack about esports. So we're going to partner with this company over here who deeply understands esports, and the hope is they will follow their advice and get good esports commentators who actually care about the games and know the games and can make them entertaining, hopefully make them entertaining to the layperson. And I think they've chosen well with Counter-Strike because it doesn't have a really deep metagame or anything. It's dude shooting other dude. That's really easy to wrap your head around. Yeah, but uh, honestly, I think yeah. that's the wrong way to go. Yeah. I think for getting the layman, you need a game that has more, more, depth. Deep, more depth to it. Because Counter-Strike or, Counter or Call of Duty, that definitely grabs a gamer, especially a gamer that likes to play first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, but it's... It's very fast, and yes. it's really hard to understand what's happening. Well, that's where a good commentator can bridge that for you, though. They can bridge it somewhat, but if you're, I mean, visually, you're just watching it going, exactly. what the hell? Like, okay, that guy's dead. Okay, that guy's dead. Okay, that, I but mean, com- com- Counter-Strike the, does ahead. have a, a benefit to it that it does have a, you know, I assume, I haven't watched a tournament, but uh, Geo has still the, the model that when you're dead, you're out of the round. Right. Which is different than Call of Duty, where you actually have a, a set number of respawns or whatever, whatever, however they do it. So, but to me, I mean, I think games more like the MOBAs, League of Legends, Dota, have, or Heroes of the Storm even, have a little bit more. Uh, actually, I would say Heroes of the Storm less so because their meta is not that interesting from, from a spectating standpoint. Uh, but League and Dota have, like, especially, and League is what I'm most familiar with. They have an entire phase of the game that happens before they even get into the game. Yeah. 
and that's really big, and it gives the the commentators a lot of time to kind of hype it up and make a, a big deal over the pick and band phase and what what they're trying to do and really talk about this is what this team is going to set out to do. This is what they're built to do, and this is what the other team's built to do, and now let's see how it plays out. See, I think you've forgotten what it's like to be a non-gamer because for an average person coming in and looking at a game of league with the depth of field they have in, in the heroes that or the summoners, that the huge distribution of abilities and who's a hard counter to what and just what even the goal of the game is. What's a creep? What, what are we trying to what, is, what are they trying to do? What, what exactly is happening at any given moment on the game? when you have such a variety of different characters and such a huge variety of abilities versus something like Counter-Strike where dude with gun shot other dude with gun. Okay, well, let me give you a sports analogy. Because mm-hmm. okay. I'm such a deep dude, sports fan. Dude with gun shoots other dude with gun. Is, is do- golf. Is, 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 it's dodgeball. <laughs> so it's yes. basically a free-for-all or maybe at best team version of dodgeball. League is American football. And one of them is much more popular than the other one. And the reason why is because, yeah, when you first start watching American football – you're like, you no what the hell's going on? What what is offsides? What is the holding penalty? Why why do those guys have to be lined up on the line? Those guys don't have to be on the line. And what is that position of a quarterback versus a wide receiver and or a defensive lineman or offensive lineman? There's a lot to take in, and people do it because they're like. But this is an int- this is compelling to me, mm-hmm. and the announcers talk about it, and they talk about the players, and you go, okay, this player has certain attributes that are really interesting. I really want to know why is Peyton Manning such a great quarterback? What does he bring to the position? Oh, so that's like Faker in League of Legends. Why is he such a good mid laner? Oh, now, you know that's the type of thing. Whereas dodgeball, okay, that guy hit the guy with the ball, cool. And that guy hit the guy with the ball. Now that guy who first hit the guy with the ball got hit with the ball. Awesome. There is no depth here. My give a shit factor is about a zero. <laughs> but so, I, I mean, I, to me, that's, that's the problem I see if they're trying to take in non-gamers. If they're doing this to build a base of gamers, I, I'm 100% behind it. I get it. There's a big following within the gaming community for Global Offensive. Absolutely. I just don't think it's going to bridge to non-gamers, but maybe they just want to get a base first of those folks and then bridge in more complex games that have a, uh, a more... Of, I, I, and, and, Geo, I'm not not to diminish people that play that. I'm sure there's a lot of strategy and a lot of complexity that as a player it has to go into it. But as a watcher of it, it seems much simpler than watching uh, a, a coordinated team uh, on you know five on five within league or within Dota. See, and, and it goes back to what is their goal? Are they going after? trying to indoctrinate new viewers or are they just right. trying to go after the massive audience that already is there yeah and that's and like i said that that i perfect perfectly get if they're just saying let's let's start with the people we know are going to tune in instead of going for audiences that we're not sure is going to like this then yeah going with global offensive well, I mean, makes yeah. sense i mean you dreamhack mm-hmm. dreamhack is going on right now so if you if you go over to twitch and do a search it's all about csgo right now because sure. it's freaking DreamHack. 
Yeah. Um, and it's just like when the world championships for Dota or Leaguers going on, that's all you see on all because as well. where everyone's attention has shifted. Right. Um, so just, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get it, and I mean, it would be neat if there was a little more. I guess dialogue between some of the major games. Mm-hmm. Like I, they don't all have to be under the same umbrella. But notice how football is the fall sport, and yeah, yeah basketball and hockey do start, but they don't. You know, they don't have their championship when the Super Bowl's happening, mm-hmm. and you know, baseball is its own thing in spring and summer, and then they, yeah, their World Series happens while football's going on, but it's not. You know, their their championships all take place at very distinct times, and uh, you know, so far gaming's done a good job of that, but it just depends on how many games become this competitive esports model to that where they may have to start worrying about that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm. Happy to see this iteration happening where they have apparently looked at where ESPN dropped the ball and they're trying to recruit uh, yeah. experienced commentators who know their game and care about the game. Um, and are, well, So we'll see if this is just you know, the, the next step inching it forward towards being a more uh, generally accepted sport. Um, it'll be fun to watch, if nothing else. Sure. Uh, staying with the idea of games colliding with mainstream society. Uh, from Engadget, we have an article about No Man's Sky. The You want to talk about the open world. This is the open universe game that everyone is kind of salivating over of get in your ship, launch off the surface of your planet, go find another planet, explore and colonize it, and, and shoot people along the way. Um, it's, it's basically the, the ultimate elite on steroids game that people have wanted since they played Elite. Um, and it's going to be demoed on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Because he's a big nerd. Because he's a big fat nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why we love him so much. Because yep. he can talk uh, in great detail about uh, you know Tolkien lore. Like the really freaking obscure stuff that he can recite from memory. Um, so... We're into, I think, the second second week now of uh, Colbert's new show replacing David Letterman on The Late Show. Mm-hmm. And so he's first week or so, he's been very kind of heavy on the political uh, end of things. We had Donald freaking Trump on there. Um, Elizabeth Warren was on there. Bernie Sanders, Jeb Bush, Jeb. And now we're looking forward to... PewDiePie being on freaking Late Night with Stable Co- Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Which I think is kind of awesome. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah, why not? not? That's cool. And I mean, like the, it mentions in the article, other like Conan O'Brien has some of the funniest stuff with his oh, Clueless yeah. Gamer. I love, uh, I mean, I saw him recording Clueless Gamer at BlizzCon. Was what there. was it that he was playing that they were like freaky? Oh, Marshawn it was Marshawn uh, Lynch and uh, Mortal Kombat. It was Mortal Kombat 10 with Marshawn Lynch and uh, Gronk. Oh my God, it was the funniest thing in the world. That was one of the funniest videos yeah. ever. Like the, the reactions of them to the fatalities. And just just great lines, but no, I nonetheless, that. I mean, they have that. Uh, apparently, uh, I haven't watched really Jimmy Fallon, but I guess he has Xbox with my mom, so okay. some segment like that. Uh, funny enough, uh, Jimmy Kimmel though actually pissed off gamers, and he got he was getting like death threats and all kinds of craziness because he basically was like, 
why and funny just what we were just talking about he's like why would you want to watch other people play games yep. like i don't get it like he did a little stand up bit about it saying this makes no sense to me you know and you know the and went to the normal stereotype like oh you're in your mom's basement blah 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 so a lot of people like sent him tons of hate mail and stuff which of course he then turned around yeah, and was absolutely. like i'll make a bit out of this now mm-hmm. <laughs> basically made you know comedy gold and fed into the normal stereotypes around it so it was you know definitely gaming has uh, a history now within late night television mm-hmm. for sure well it's gonna be interesting because they have the two different segments they'll have the uh founder of hello games which is developing no man's sky right will be one interview segment and then later pewdiepie um the youtube celeb with 40 million followers and over 10 billion page views holy crap um yeah i guess find find your talent and run with it is the is the moral of that story um it's this i'm going to be watching this just because i find stephen colbert very entertaining but i'm also really interested in seeing where no man's sky is in its development because everything i've seen about it so far has me salivating this this looks to me like the the, the kind of game that could eat my life for a while well, I think you have to like actually purchase a PS4 though first, right? This would be the impetus that would push me over that edge. Yes, mm-hmm. um, Destiny almost did it for me, and I'm still kind of chomping at the bit now that all the talk of the the new DLC that seems to have dude fixed. taken. Oh my goodness! I was really like like I'm done with Destiny. Yep. The Taken King's going to make me regrind all my gear out and stuff, and blah blah blah. Everyone talks about it being this was the game that should have launched. Yeah, I picked it up. Uh, last weekend and what, i started and what, playing and it this week what's your reaction it is so good like it it is exactly like i i am amazed at how much work they put into it uh and it still doesn't address a couple of my issues but right now i don't give a damn because the things it, <laughs> uh, that it doesn't do which is basically you have a group finding mechanic why do you not have it on all your game modes that have groups i never i could get my head around that or at least make it an option to to group find or not but right now i really don't care because there is just so much stuff to do that every time i log in it's like I have just a bevy of choices of things to go do, and none of it feels like I'm grinding, which was my big complaint towards the end of Destiny was, unless I was doing a raid, I was logging in and basically grinding out some daily quests on the same planets in the same zones, doing the same thing over and over again. And now they've, they've even like revamped all their old content because they have these taken enemies now that will just randomly appear, and it totally throws off the whole fight mechanics and everything and it really keeps you engaged they've made drops meaningful now i see like blue drops and i'm like oh my god yay engram i'm so excited whereas before i was like who gives a crap mm-hmm. um so uh just really really well done so yeah and i mean shooting lightning is just amazing see that kind of report on on destiny coupled with my kind of salivating for No Man's Sky is probably what's going to push me over the edge. And yep. uh, there will be a PS4 in this household this holiday season, I think. Yeah, <laughs> especially, of, of especially if there's a nice price drop around around. There. Of course, none of us actually have a PS4, yeah, so, so you'll be playing by yourself. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> Good luck with that. So you know, No Man's Sky is that, a Sony, is that a Sony exclusive? It, the 
Uh, no Man's Sky is a Sony exclusive. I think there's been rumors it may come out on the computer, though, which is cool. That's probably where I'd end up picking it up. Destiny has a uh, time release contract with Sony, so they tend to, like, with uh, the original release of Destiny, they got three exotic weapons that the, place, or the Xbox didn't get, and they got two strikes, two or three strikes over the course of Destiny and the first two expansions that Xbox didn't get. But with the release of Taken King, all the Sony exclusive content unlocked for Xbox. So the Taken King was like a smorgasbord. I was like, oh my god, I just got like you know six new strikes now to play for me. And I think on this PlayStation side, they did give them an, again another exclusive strike or two to to run. Um, but it's not overall a huge amount See, of difference. Interestingly, there. on the No Man's Sky site, they list mm-hmm. platforms to be announced. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the article... It's, only, it's, been demo, it's, it's only been demoed on PS4. All the demos yeah. on this site are all PS4. Yeah, like I said, I know I've seen a lot of mention that they may make it on the computer, which is great. Then, I mean, that, that makes my decision really easy of what to do. Because other than, uh, oh, what was it, Last of Us, that's like my one thing that would make me right now buy a PlayStation. Yeah, but I could even just buy a PlayStation 3 and still play that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I, the fact that I mean, the Xbox One is the only console showing any signs of approaching like DVR functionality. They have the, the tuner available and yeah. they kind of made, made noises about, hey, this may become a DVR. And the HDMI pass-through, it's, it's, it seems to be a more well-rounded entertainment device. And that's why I bought it, because mm-hmm. I was more interested in the multimedia features mm-hmm. than just a gaming box. If I was just going to play games, the PlayStation is right now the better platform for it. Mm-hmm. But if I was interested, unless you have something exclusive on Xbox that you, you know, Halo or something. Uh, but if you're interested in more than that, the Xbox, especially with how much they do updates to it and how much they still are kind of fiddling with their OS and such to, to make it both game-friendly as well as other app-friendly. They seem to be doing a good job. Right, we'll see. We'll see who has the better uh, super-duper holiday package for Black me. Friday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, because there's signs that uh, we may see the Xbox One Elite, mm-hmm. uh, which means the Xbox One Vanilla will likely see a price slash. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious to see, you know, with the 360... They had a real reason to make the Elite. HDMI had come on the scene. Sure. Um, they had you know, significantly smallerized the motherboard and reduced its power consumption and reduced its heat output, and they totally redesigned the, the power brick. Red Ring of Death, anyone? Um, yeah. And less of that exists. Now they're kind of doing the Elite because I think people kind of expect them to. I'm not sure what... You know, what would what's missing from the Xbox One that they would add with the Elite, other than improved manufacturing processes that would let them make them cheaper, therefore making their profits better? Right. But what do I get as an end user? Okay, I make it a because the the whole point of the Elite is they don't lower the price, but they give you more features. So the 360, we got higher resolution HDMI outputs. Oh yeah, smaller built-in you know, wireless, smaller, you know, built-in Wi-Fi, and um, all it this, was. 
Yeah, it was worth it because our, our son ended up getting one. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. Like yeah. compared to the old one, it was like, wow, this is amazing. But what's the uh, Xbox One missing that we, they're going to give us in the Elite? I can't think of anything. I don't know. I mean, assuming that oh, it's no. they're not going to package it with a Connect, if they built in the microphone functionality ah. into the Xbox itself. So you can have the voice command without having to have the Connect. Without having the Connect. That would be big because that to me is the most useful portion of the Connect, other than the fact that it is nice to have it when you're Skyping on Xbox hmm. because then you can Skype on the big TV and you have your camera right there. Uh, other so maybe, than maybe a regular that, camera and a microphone and no IR camera, no motion sensing, and cheaper. Right. Well, we'll see. So, I mean, there's, I'll there's be, a I'll few be things that could maybe, or they, and they may even figure out a way to bundle one of those crazy, like, $120 controllers then with it. Oh, that'd be cool. Mm. <laughs> with modular thing. I mean, that, it was an awesome control. I got to play around with one at PAX. It was it's great. Like transform but, into a reclining chair or something? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not paying 150 bucks for it or whatever the price tag was, but it was a nice controller. <laughs> if one happened to come with my Xbox One, well, then I would just be right, forced to right. use it. I'm going to kick it out of bed for eating crackers. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so we'll see what the holiday season brings. But I, I'm, I'm kind of primed for retiring the PS3 and getting with the modern generation. Because I've got the, the medium generation in the form of a Wii U that yeah. the kids love. And, and there's a, a few titles on there that are entertaining. But it's really, it was that, you know, 0.5 iteration. Um, and they really never... Still have not realized the the potential of the the gamepad with the uh, there's just right. so much they could have done with that that no no one really ever Did ste- it. stepped up on it. It's too bad. Yep. Um, so we'll see who's got the Sony Microsoft fight for my business. I know you're listening, and <laughs> I th- give send me your best deals and may the cheapest and most powerful package win. Oh yeah, because it's all about me. And on that bombshell, it is time to end because it's late and we're old. Yes. There is that. Speak for yourself. Hey, you hush woman, you weren't even here last week. I know. That's because I'm old. Yes. Well, we were. that was kind of the theme. <laughs> Please, uh, seek us out on the web. You can find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Casually Hardcore or Alpha Geek Radio. Um, the tweeter. The show is on there as Hardcore Casuals. The network is on there as Alpha Geek Radio. You can send us email to the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. You can submit ideas and show topics to our subreddit, alphageekradio.reddit.com. Uh, on Twitter, you can also find us as individuals. I am on there as Gnomewise. Dax is on there as D A K S A C H, not D A X A. Mm-hmm. And Grail, what was your new one? Just Grail CH? That's correct. G R A I L C H. No spaces, no wacky characters. Simple. Does what it says, says what it does. And meanwhile, I have been Gnomewise. I have been Dexa. And I've been Grail. And we're out of here. <laughs>